Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to Roachast, the flagship podcast of extra large cups and bowls. Yeah. You never know when you need one. No, you always know when you need one, which is always. Yeah. All right, look, here's what happened. Before we started the show, <laughs> David held up his new Ember mug, which is gigantic. It's huge. It's it's so big. It weighs so much. <laughs> it was so much work to hold it up just now. Our own James Vincent, who's currently on book leave again, mm-hmm. he wrote an entire book called Beyond Measure about the po- essentially the politics and culture of measuring things. This is one of the vergiest verge ideas that anyone has ever had. And it's obvious. And you should go read this book. It's called Beyond Measure. Go read it. And it occurred to me as we were talking about David's comically large electric cup. That's what it is. Uh Let's be honest. That I have no idea how much a cup of coffee is. Like not price, like volume. Right. And David pointed out to me that the word cup has a third additional secret meeting in the context of coffee. Yeah, so when you when you have a coffee maker and you see the lines on the side that's like this many cups of coffee, you would think that would be like a cup, like a measuring cup cup. It's not. It's a coffee cup, which in most cases is defined to be either five or six ounces. So what you're getting is not eight cups measured by mugs or eight cup mes- measured cups. You're getting eight cups by this random measure of a <laughs> tiny amount of coffee that no one actually wants. This is another book, a whole other book. How many, how many there cups was, of coffee? Do this you is do? okay. The problem with the history of Europe uh-huh. oh, is that a bunch of Kings got to invent a bunch <laughs> of, sh- right. And now we just live in their world. King Harold was like, I don't know. It's this many. Whatever. All I'm saying is you should get extraordinary, the biggest coffee cups you can, the biggest mugs. And then we bought gigantic bowls at our new house. Yeah. They're, they're so big. They make an average amount of soup look like not a lot of soup. You've consumed a lot of soup. <laughs> when you move into a new place, you're like, what, what large format mm-hmm. foods when you fill can it we with- acquire so we don't have to think about this for the next several weeks? When you fill it with ice cream, is there any ice cream left in the carton? I prefer not to answer that question this time. <laughs> this makes me think of like, so my wife and I eat cereal, as a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And her definition of a bowl of cereal is just whatever the size of the receptacle is. So like if you yeah, give her right. like yeah. a relatively small 
human-sized bowl. She'll fill it with the, the you know, normal amount of Cheerios, put some milk in and move on with her life. If you give that woman like a bucket, she'll fill the bucket with Cheerios <laughs> and be like, this is a serving of Cheerios. So like, I love a big bowl. It's they're it, They're better than plates at everything, including... No, just everything. It's just all the things. But if I give my wife a large bowl, she will she will eat like a deathly amount of Cheerios, and I can't do this. I want you to know there's a trend in plateware where the the plates are becoming bowls, and mm-hmm. they're like they're half bowls. There's a designer out there who invented this who's furious that they're being ripped off. <laughs> it's Fiestaware. My Fiestaware bowls. You just you just randomly said the word Fiestaware. <laughs> it's huge. The bowls. <laughs> okay, we got to stop this. There's actual tech news. I'm just saying if you want to write the inside story of how plates are becoming bowls. There is but one publication yes, that will be like, correct. yes, this belongs to us. And if they're temperature regulated, like my Ember mug, all the better. <laughs> if your bowls have large. Wi-Fi in them, call me. <laughs> There's a lot of tech news this week. By the way, I'm your friend, Neli. Hello. David Pierce is here. Hi. Me and my mug. We're both here. Electric mugs. I drink the coffee too fast. I want to be, I've always wanted an Ember mug. And there's just no hope for me. Like, why? Oh, I'm the opposite. I drink the first five sips really fast, and then the last two thirds six and a half hours later. This is why this thing is perfect mm. for me. Alex Trance is here. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm still thinking about the Fiesta Wear bowls. They're huge. I've eaten so is much. Fiesta Wear the radioactive ones. The old ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think mine are. Very good. We'll see in a couple of months. If you don't know why I just said is Fiesta Wear the radioactive ones. That's a little Google adventure yeah, for you today. That's a good one. That's a little Wikipedia hole that you could fall down on. A service we provide here on the Vergecast. Stuff to Google. You're going to have a great time. <laughs> Welcome to our newest segment, How to Google About Old Plates. <laughs> All right. There is a lot of tech news this week, like an uh, absurd amount of tech news. There are some philosophical quandaries. A bunch of people are mad at me on Instagram threads for suggesting that words have meanings. It's a lot. There's just a lot going on. There is the Pixel event that had Android 14, the Pixel Watch 2, new Pixel Buds. The uh, price of every streaming service is going up, and the, the actors are still on strike. Lots going on there. And then we have a deeply hilarious lightning round <laughs> just of things. <laughs> just people continuing to make choices. We should obviously start with the Pixel. David, what, what happened in this event? Sure. So this event, as ever with Google recently, has been absolutely leaked to death. So we kind of knew what was going on coming in, but basically we got two new phones, the Pixel 8 and the Pixel 8 Pro, which have a lot in common, but are differentiated, especially along camera lines. It's a little bit like the way Apple does it, but Google split it in a bunch of ways that I don't think make a lot of sense. But anyway, new Tensor chips, normal sort of upgrades over time. The screens got better, especially on the on the 8 Pro. But the camera is the thing, and we're going to talk a lot about the camera, so I'll leave that for now. We also got the Pixel Watch 2, which seems to have much longer battery life, which is awesome. It seems to also have better performance, which is exciting. This seems like kind of the Pixel Watch we knew Google was going to make after the first one, which is last year's was like, cool first try, like call us when you've sort of finished the job. This one feels potentially closer to having finished the job. It has some good safety features, new sensors, I think a heart rate thing for the first time, uh, or some like zone training in your heart rate, which is a good thing. And then the other one is, if I'm not mistaken, not new Pixel Buds Pros, but new features for the Pixel Buds Pro. Some cool software stuff to make your... Calls sound better. There's the conversation ducking thing, which is like when you start Mm -hmm. talking, it'll lower the volume and turn on transparency mode, which I hate and think absolutely everyone should turn off because it doesn't work on anything. It's a disaster of a feature. Cool idea, bad feature. Hopefully Google got it right. 
and some Bluetooth super wideband, which is obviously a thing we have to talk about today on the first cast. And yeah, again, just a bunch of new software stuff coming. And I feel like software was sort of the story of this event. Like Google still makes phones and still makes watches and still makes headphones, but is increasingly taking all of the stuff that happens on those devices and moving it somewhere else. A lot of the camera stuff that happened is not happening on the camera. It's happening in Google Photos. And that's not nothing. And there's a lot of cloud stuff happening. And they talked a lot about Assistant with Bard. And Android 14 came out and it's getting generative AI stuff. Like Google is really leaned into this idea that it can basically make you a decent piece of hardware with a whole lot of stuff happening in the cloud. And that that's the correct balance from now on. And I'm deeply fascinated to see if that turns out to be true. Yeah, and this is obviously the flip of Apple's approach, right. where everything is happening locally on the phone, and the phone processors are the fastest processors in human history, and how dare you even suggest that other processors may be faster at any time. Yeah, nothing's faster. Do you know what makes the iPhone Pro Pro? They're really good at games. <laughs> Ray tracing, baby. the most pro feature. <laughs> Very confusing. Google has always kind of walked this line, though, right? How much is happening on your phone? How much is happening on a Google service? You know, people have been sharing all these home screens lately. Mm-hmm. And I think, David, somebody shared one to you and me on threads, and it was their entire home screen was Google apps. And you're like, you know, Android exists. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a coworker of ours? No. I mean, I'm sure it's many coworkers yeah. of ours are like that. Mm. But the, I think Google recognizes this, that a lot of people have iPhones that are just vessels of Google services, and Google can just sell you a phone that is that thing. Yeah. I will say it doesn't give me great confidence in Google wanting to continue to make hardware for a long time. I already didn't have great confidence in that, so whatever. I kind of feel like we need to start, and by we, Google, not us. I think we're pretty realistic about it. Be realistic about the fact that these are always going to be like the surface. It's always a device to show OEMs what they can do with the the stuff that's available and the software that's available. I disagree with that. Ooh, really? Fight me. I don't know. <laughs> I think that might have been, I mean, we've been through 50 rounds of what is a Pixel phone for. Mm-hmm. That's what the Nexus line was for, yeah. like a piece of reference hardware a billion years ago. That might have been what the first Pixel phones were for. Mm-hmm. But there's only one OEM in Android world that matters. That's fair. Right? There's just, Samsung. Yeah. yeah. And so I, th- I think the idea that Google needs to show Samsung how to do it is just not reality. I think Google needs to show Samsung that if Samsung screws up or steps out of line, that it will go and get the marketing deal with Verizon. But did it do that? To, to well, I think I think Samsung has stayed in line. Okay, wait, Neelai, go with me here. Google is to Samsung what Bing is to Google. Like oh, a, wait, a substantially no. less successful oh, wow. thing that exists both to try and be a good product, but mostly as a check on the other thing. Just saying, if you blow it, we will come for you. Yeah. Only the, the slight difference is that if Samsung didn't exist, Android would not be as important as it is. Yeah, that's fair. At least in this country. And in, in in Europe, in India, in Africa, like Android is a big deal all on its own. Like my favorite thing about the Indian smartphone market is that like 14 phones get released every single week. And people in Android there is expressed very differently. Like Android is globally important whether or not Samsung does it. In this country, Android doesn't exist without Samsung. That's right. Which is just, at least in smartphones. That's crazy, right? And I think a lot of the Pixel is there to just repeatedly show Samsung, hey, we can do it too. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you pull, if you put ties in on your phone, which they've threatened to do, yeah. or you skin the phone too hard, which they have done. And like, there's a whole history there. You know, Google's there. So I, I think the pixel is just different. Than so the you're saying the pixel is basically Google just staring Samsung in the eye and saying, try it. Yeah. Like just to some extent, to some extent, I think they also need a vessel for their services. They want to show people what it would be like. They also want to compete head on with Apple. Right. There's a there's a lot there. But what is the thing it accomplishes the most? It's not sales. Right. It's true. Uh, It is a lot of interest from phone nerds. It is crazy to me the disproportionate amount of traffic we get on Pixel coverage versus Samsung coverage. Yeah, I think that's why I think of it like the Surface devices, because it's the same thing. Like, people care about the Surface devices in the way they do not care about Asus unless it's appearing in court. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, like that's that's really... Because people really passionately like the Google devices. Yeah. But it's a very small group of people, according to the sales. Yeah. Yeah, that, and the answer. We are now... We're fully into talking about... This is the thing yeah. with talking about Pixel. It's more fun to talk about the, the concepts... And the ideas embedded in the pixel line, cool then stuff. the phones. There was cool stuff this time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the thing that really stuck out to me was how much the people who were otherwise primed to like a phone like these did not like it this year. Like typically, mm. the the overwhelming reaction I've seen, and I'm sure this is not true of everybody, and I'm sure there are people who are excited about it, and I think there are cool things worth getting excited about, but like... A bunch of people on like the Android blogs were mad about the the sort of perceived lack of interesting stuff Google did here. Our commenters were not psyched about this in a big way. The general feeling of this launch that I got was a lot of people kind of being like this, like that's they seem like fine phones, but like that's that's all you got. And I kind of agree. Like Google made a good phone here that really doesn't seem to make a particularly interesting case for itself. Outside of some of the camera stuff. And they also raised prices by 100 bucks. Yeah, it's it's like a boring-looking phone. Extraordinarily boring. But the, the Magic Editor thing is cool, right? All right, we, 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 the camera I, is such a six-hour... I, I know, I want to just go talk about <laughs> can, it. Can you just read the specs of the phone so we've done... We, we've, we've done our job. We've talked. <laughs> sure, I can do this. Okay, so main things to know. The Pixel 8 starts at 700 bucks. The Pixel 8 Pro starts at... $1,000. They both run Android 14. The Pixel 8 has a 6.2-inch screen. The Pixel 8 Pro has a 6.7-inch screen. That's also a little better. 12 gigs of RAM on the Pro, 8 gigs of RAM on the 8. More storage options in the high end on the Pro. You can get, I think, 512 and a terabyte, which you can't get on the Pixel 8. They both have USB-C. They both do more face unlock stuff than they have in the past, which I think is interesting. Google's like letting you do more with face unlock but didn't really explain if it has made face lock unlock more secure, which I thought was interesting. A million outrageously complicated differences in the camera. Allison Johnson made a spreadsheet of which features are coming to which <laughs> that even now doesn't make any sense. But basically, the Pro has four cameras that you can use. It has the 50 megapixel main camera. 48 megapixel ultra wide, 48 megapixel telephoto, and the 10 and a half megapixel camera on the front. The Pixel 8 has the same main <laughs> camera, a 12 megapixel ultra wide, no telephoto, and the same selfie cam. And then again, there's a million software features. Fundamentally, the Pixel 8 Pro is like a dramatically better phone in the way that I think it's kind of like comparing 
not like the iPhone Pro and the Pro Max, but it's kind of like comparing the base iPhone to the iPhone Pro Max. It's like none of the mm-hmm. things versus all of the things. And it's a $300 price difference, which I guess, you know, belies that. But that's essentially the rundown. Like they have the same chip, which has been very important to Google to have all of this stuff kind of on the same generation of Tensor as much as possible to do the AI stuff they want to do. But then it just gets real chaotic from there. And they come in a bunch of cool colors that are actual colors. Like Google didn't do the thing Apple did and just put like one drop of color dye near the phone and call that a color. (laughs) They actually colored the phone. It's very exciting. All right. So we talk about the camera. Yeah, let's talk about the camera. Magic editor. Neither of you were listening to that, were you? You were just sitting there going, shut up so I can talk about the camera. I get it. I was reading along. If we don't <laughs> if we don't say the spec like when I was a little baby gadget blogger, I was told you for just get the specs and the price out of the way mm-hmm. and you can say whatever you want. But if you don't deliver those up front, <laughs> people are gonna get mad because all anybody cares about. So mm-hmm. now you have the specs, you have the price. I was talking about the camera. <laughs> Magic editor. Magic editor. Uh so this is like a this is a, I think, a watershed moment in these cameras, and it isn't at all at the same time. And I, I want to be clear on that. There's a tension here because of what David said earlier. The features are built into Google's cloud services and their apps, but the way they are marketing this camera, the way they are showing it off on stage, the 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 thing they want you to think it can do, is lie to you. Like, I, th- there's no other word for it. The camera has generative AI tools not built into it, but parked on the front lawn. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's not, it's not, they're not the same. They're not, it's not in the house. Yeah. You know? It's like a Photoshop editor. But you can open the window and, and yell at the generative AI tool and it will definitely hear you. Eventually, the gap is going to close. You're you're talking about Magic Editor, right? Like, essentially, there's a lot of features, but that's the one. That's the one. And in particular in Magic Editor, the one I am talking about is the one where you can take a bunch of frames of people all together, and it will assemble a composite. You can pick the faces of the people. That, like, I don't care if you lie to me, I'll call it a sky. <laughs> you know, like, whatever. It's green. You, yeah. The sky's green? You, great. You're, you're crazy. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, you have all the time, right? You... You moved a salt shaker from the left to the right of the picture. That's great. I'm glad that happened for you. You know, be, you're an artist. You start changing the way people look at each other in photos. You are playing with fire, like in the realest way. You're you're like you're kidding about the line there, but I actually think the line there is really important, and I want you to tease out why that bothers you in the way that the sky doesn't. Because if the if your fundamental problem is these cameras and their editing software let you lie about what you're seeing in front of you. I think that's like slightly sort of chicken little sky is falling-ish about the world, but also like I can understand that take. I can also understand the take that just says most people take photos of their family and would like everyone to be smiling, and that's basically fine. I can also see that, but you're trying to find this middle that I don't necessarily know how to find, where it's like, Changing certain things is fine. Are you okay with the thing where you can like move stuff over in the scene where like if you shot them off center, you can slide them over on the bench to be in the center? Like where does this go from silly changes to like you're lying to me? Uh, I mean, first of all, all of it's lying to you. Sure. Like did this actually happen is now a threshold question for smartphone photography. If you look at a photo that came off a smartphone, a good question you can ask is, did this happen? Did this look this way? Sure. We've been doing what is a photo on the show 
since for years now, since the first Pixel, since the what's the iPhone 11 did was the first one with HDR and it looked kind of bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've been talking about what a photo is for a long time because the what most people believe a photo to be is you open a shutter, a bunch of light hits a sensor, the shutter closes. And that's the end of that. Right. And the the goal is how accurately did this capture reality? That's the like, that's the metric of success. Right. And there's a whole other brand of photography and we can get into it. That's like very creative where you are trying to manipulate light and textures and you're posing people like all this stuff is happening. You're doing wild edits in Photoshop. But the, the thing that we rely on photography to be is an accurate representation of light in a moment. And, that, you know, those moments can be long or short. You can do long exposure, but whatever. It's like this light occurred, like these things happened. And you get to a place with computational photography where it's where it's at even now, before you start moving faces around with AI. We're like, man, we're like right at the boundary of this. I, I think right? I, I think I know where the boundary is. I think I, I think I got it. Yeah. I think so. We've always been able to manipulate manipulate photos, right? Like you've been able to manipulate photos since the first person took the photograph. Like they were they were putting fairies in, in photos in the eighteen hundreds <laughs> and saying, Yeah, it's a real fairy. And it's like, no, it's a person wearing a stupid outfit. What? That's always that's shocking, I know. But that's always been there. But the it was hard to do, right? Like in order to do the stuff that you can now do on a phone in Photoshop. 20 years Wait, ago. Wait, no, back up. You you're, about to ma- you're about to make the argument that Google's making, which is like, we just made the tool more accessible. Let me just no, no, back up saying, for one I'm second. No, I'm saying the accessibility itself is the line. No, no, no. no. I disagree. You disagree. I, okay. That's like that's basically Google's line. To be honest, like, that's like what Google is saying, right? It's, and it's our piece. I just want to back up for a second. Even if you stop moving faces around, mm-hmm. the thing that we are doing now with basic HDR and phones, where you're doing complicated exposure stacking to make things look better is right on the blurry edge of the line because it never looked that way, right? Like, in like, the goal is to make it, like, look even or even out the tones or mm-hmm. expose everything evenly. And, like, that's not how your eyes work. And, like, this is a very philosophical, very abstract, very Vergecast conversation mm-hmm. about, like, okay, it's a photo. And, like, it's not maybe not what you saw or maybe not what old film looked like. And, you know, we've had Mark Lavoie from the Pixel team on the show talking about what artists – the pixel was meant to evoke and every year the art like we've done it and that's just exposure right right we've done years of conversation about computational exposure manipulation and what that means for photography and that's smart hdr in the iphone that's the pixels computational photography and all of that is just boy should there be shadows and photos And literally years of conversation about the blurry line of computational photography and and exposure. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know the answer. Like, I I think that's very subjective. I think, you know, it hit the mainstream. Like the New Yorker, Kyle Chica had a piece in the New Yorker about iPhone photos not looking real Mm -hmm. and there being backlash against it. That's crazy. Just exposure, computational manipulation of exposure is now a a mainstream conversation about what photography means. So that that, the line already is blurry Mm -hmm. before we get to adding fairies in the 1800s. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you that inside the new phone, inside the Pixel 8, it is marketed at having a tool where you can take a bunch of shots. It won't just stack exposure. It will change people's faces at your discretion to create a reality that never existed. I just... Like a thing that never happened. 
and I still see that as Photoshop. I still see that as the exact same. Fine. But this is where the accessibility, this is where your thing about accessibility comes in. Okay, yeah. fine. That's Photoshop. But the camera is marketed as that thing. So I, I spent the morning on the train in okay. coming up with like very silly examples. Go through them. Let's hear them. Like very silly examples. I'm, I'm so, I talked about fairies. It's okay. Okay. You are at a Chiefs game. Mm-hmm. And you see the box mm-hmm. with Taylor Swift and Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively and whoever else. Hugh Jackman. Thank you. Little... Can't erase Hugh Jackman oh. from this. Please. Yeah, he was there. He was. Right? Yeah. Okay. It looks like Travis Kelsey's going to score a touchdown. So they're all cheering, but then he fumbles and you're up so well, and they all, they're all sad. Yeah. All right. Well, now you can just tweak the faces. So you got happy Hugh, happy Ryan, happy Blake, sad Taylor. But I can do that in Photoshop. You can do that in Photoshop. But. You wouldn't like the accessibility is the thing. Like yeah. now you can lie more easily right off your phone and send it. Right. Okay. Should there be some norms about whether or not that tool should be widely available to you? To anyone? I think there should, should be... it be built into the camera. Should it be so close to the camera mm-hmm. that the camera is marketed? The line is best take uses of photos you did take to get the photo you thought you took. Mm. That is the marketing of this camera. That is the positioning of this camera. And it's like, yes, you can do anything in Photoshop. You could have done this 100 years ago in Photoshop. But the effort to do it, the effort to lie, was high. It was a barrier to entry. So lowering the barrier to entry to now they're not photos, they're just memories. And we all know how fallible memories are. It's like, oh, you're going to change the very nature of photography to make it so you can't trust any pictures. And in my, my mentions on threads, it's a lot of people saying, well, you could never trust pictures. See, that's where I I'm, I'm okay. over there. When like I that. say it's a watershed moment in cameras, this is the camera that is making people say you cannot trust pictures. I, I don't think that. I think I don't think I think there was the, a bunch of memes about sharks swimming through the streets of Houston that said I can never trust pictures. But like, those but those people were like but that is like so obviously silly. Yeah, yeah. That's this true. is like the camera is this, it will be sold to you so that when you take a bunch of frames of your family it will synthesize a thing that never happened mm-hmm. by design, mm-hmm. and that is a selling point of the camera. Let me off, and the market will not correct this. The market will say, that's great, because I want better photos of my family. Yeah. It does feel very like... Let me offer you this other very silly example. I love it. And this is like based on a, a meme that I saw today. I'm so excited. It's really bad. You're gonna, can you pre-forgive me for this? Okay. It's a camera, uh-huh. and it takes a photo, uh-huh. and ingests the photo, uh-huh. It processes the photo and throws the original photo away. Yeah. And so it's gone. You can never recover that photo. Yeah. And at the other end, everyone in your photo just has huge boobs. <laughs> the market buys this. This is the most successful camera in human history. I would do that all the time. Everyone's got big naturals. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just across this, the I don't board. Know, I think you probably have some sliders. Look, it doesn't matter. <laughs> My point is the market does not reject this camera. Like, the people of the United States are like, that's the camera we want. Yeah, because big natural. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maybe I should have agreed not to get mad at you. Yeah. Sorry, David. We're no, I'm just saying, like, if you just yeah. think about this, like uh-huh. people want lies. They want pleasing lies. I didn't realize it gets rid of the old photo. Like, No, this is my hypothetical Oh, example. yeah, because like terrifying. This is just a made up example I have. You're also dead wrong about that, by the way. Just like that thing you just described no one want. There are like four horny teenagers on the internet who would be psyched about. There's that. a Kickstarter for that camera right now. I guarantee you, <laughs> and I want to cut. 
All I'm saying is, if you, but the market isn't going to correct for truth. I, I made up that example because it's silly, and it honestly, I it wanted to see silly. how I should react to it. Um, it's my favorite idea. But like in general, in the information ecosystem we are in, the the market, the free market, is not like truth is important to us. It's more like pictures of sharks. Yeah. Well, Right. But, and so now you may, you've made this thing. Google has made this thing. The company that wants to organize the world's information has made a camera. We're right next to it, camped out on the front lawn, marketing the phone with we will synthesize pictures that never happened. It never happened. We are going to make you images that never occurred without a second's hesitation on how that might go completely sideways for them. I mean... They're not just doing it with photos, though, right? Like, they're doing it across the board with generative AI. I mean, but this is like, when you talk about the AI apocalypse, Yeah. like, the AI misinformation apocalypse is right on their front door. It's on YouTube. Deep fakes are on YouTube. Right. And at the same time, the argument is, well, we're just making... These, these tools are already available. We're just making them widely accessible to everyone. It's like, yeah, letting people lie at scale is actually... I don't know if you've been around the past five or ten years. <laughs> well, and it's, like, it's, it's something great. It's very funny to watch this happen as you see companies like OpenAI start to deliberately pull back on the thing that their stuff can do. Like, yeah, OpenAI put out the the image recognition thing that you can you can upload a picture to ChatGPT and it'll try to sort of guess what you want from it and query it. And the thing you would want from that is the thing that you keep talking about, Neil. The thing where I'm just like, who is this person? That's like that's the feature. It won't do that. It could do that, but it won't. Because they know that yeah. that's a bad idea, that asking an AI chatbot about a person is a real bad idea. And it's just very funny to watch Google, of all companies, the company that is like preaching, you know, bold but responsible, just pull all of that apart. Wait, where where in this camera is responsible? Nowhere. That's my point. Just yeah. full bold. But if Photoshop was doing this and not Google Photos, and it was just as easy and just as good, but you had to pay for a Creative Cloud membership to have it, would you have a problem with it? It, so it isn't effectively in Photoshop. It's this much harder in Photoshop, but not that much harder. It's it's that much harder. There's face swap exists on I. You know, there's a million of these things that exist. But the image pipeline from camera to editing software to distribution is important, right? Because the thing you need to trust is the camera. And Google is right on the blurry edge. The camera is still fine. The camera is still just doing HDR, as far as I can tell, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's like recovering some detail. But if you just look at how they are talking about the camera, the features in Google Photos in Google's marketing are integral to the experience of the camera. Mm -hmm. That's weird. And when I say the line is blurry, yes, and on a very basic technical level, some features are in one app and some features are in another app. But then on a much more intuitive level google photos is the gallery app on your phone like it's just like that when you look at the photos it's like do you want to edit them do you want to combine these into like it's driving you towards these choices in a way that having photoshop is like i'm intentionally going to go do this thing okay i don't know it's I, because it's suggesting rather like like it's removing that intention that's kind of it feels like where the issue is right, right. You, yeah. you it, it is right Google, to its credit, right, Google, I know that they are thinking about this and they've made this choice. In another year, another Android OEM, which is either less responsible or more aggressive or however you want to say it, is going to build it right into the shutter button of the phone, right? And they're going to say, take a bunch of pictures and we will AI generate everyone looking at you right away and, and we will throw away the original. 
and you're going to look super hot. Yeah, that's the camera that would sell. In one, in one specific way, Alex, <laughs> if that's what you're into. My, my other question is, I think th- this question of like taking a bunch of photos that exist in order to make one that never did, uh, there is something there that is sort of icky. But if, if that was just saying, like if Google said we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to treat it essentially as like merging burst mode, where we're not going to use a single picture that wasn't captured. We're just going to use the best pixel in every part of the photo from the 10 images that you took. Would you still have a problem with that? Every pixel of that is real. It's just not all at the same time. Yeah, everything happened, but not all at the same time. Travis Kelsey never looked at Taylor Swift, but we've invented a photo. No, that's not what I'm saying. Travis Kelsey looked at Taylor Swift, but not at the same moment Hugh Jackman was also making that funny face. Right. But so now we've now but now we've created a moment that does this is dangerous territory. But go with me here. Philosophically, go with me here. If if that last step of we've used all that data to create a thing that never happened. But every single bit of that. So what you're describing, by the way, is just this is just composite photography. The number again, the number of people in my mentions who are just like recapitulating the history. I I know. I I know that all these ideas have existed and all these tools have existed before. But if you take composite photography and make it that easy and that accessible, do you have the same problem with it? Yes. Like without question. Yes. Okay. Because your expectations of these images are different. You have to change society's norms. And maybe the norm is never trust a photo again. Yeah. Okay. Big decision. Just putting that out there. Huge decision. Have you been around? Have you looked at the internet and how quickly and easily people will believe photos? Okay. I need you, instead of tweeting at me, to go talk to all of them. Let me know when you're done. (laughs) Right? Like, fine. Like, that's a huge norm shift in society. It is not as simple as waving it away by saying you shouldn't trust anything. If you would like to get to a place where no one trusts anything, then you should play that all the way out. And so, you know, the flip side of this is, I think this is fine for creative use. I think this is probably fine for family photos. Like, where the stakes of the images are low, probably fine. Which is the vast majority of images. The vast majority. Maybe. I don't know. I just, we we now create, when you say the vast majority of it, we create so many photos as a people that like the vast majority of everything in all photos is nothing. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but I mean, think about right. even your own life, right? Like the, the number of pictures in your camera roll, and I suspect this is true of most people, that will be viewed by, frankly, just you and no one else ever, or you and 10 or fewer people ever, is sure. all, practically all of them. Yeah. And yeah. you're a pretty public person in the scheme of things, right? Like, Yeah, right now, most of the photos in my camera roll are of like, light switches that I need to rewire and I just need to remember what colors are going there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, boy, I hope the pixel doesn't lie to me about that. Yeah. That seems like a fire hazard. Like, you know, like whatever. You're you're not wrong. I'm just saying like, <laughs> it'd be crazy, right? Like the idea is like, you know what that red le- like cable, that's not pretty. Yeah, exactly. Yellow. What if we, oh, <laughs> what if we brighten that up a little bit? Sorry. Black wire? <laughs> no, no, no. Right? Like, it's not going to do that. Fine. The revolution in photography is that more people use the tool than ever before in phones, right? That, that's just, so you have this like shared understanding, worldwide cultural understanding of how the camera works. First time in human history that you have had a tool where everyone is using it the same way to make the same thing. And then importantly, closing the loop, consuming it on the same device. That piece is really important. We talked about that with the Vision Pro and spatial photos mm-hmm. the other day. Like, 
it breaks a chain for Apple where you're taking pictures on a phone that you can't view because they're designed for the Vision Pro. Right now with phones, the chain is, the loop is complete. You, you have a tool, you can take photos, you can look at photos other people took on largely the same tool on, on your, that's very important. That's a shared, so if you break that for people and you say, you understand how unreliable your tool is, right? That you, can, you are often using this tool to make things that never happened well, then you change everyone else's understanding of everyone else's tools. And that is like a long process, a slow process, ideally a very considered process. And like, here we are on the doorstep and Google's answer is, well, we put some metadata in it and sort of everyone else's response is, well, you could always do this with Photoshop. And it's like, yes, I could always lie. What I did not do is culturally recontextualize the very nature of lying spread across every phone in existence. Sure. And like, that's this moment. Like, we should just be honest with ourselves. The next phone or the phone after this is going to have it in the shutter button. And when it's in the shutter button, the camera becomes totally unreliable, an unreliable narrator of the events. Mm -hmm. And we are now just producing memories and not photographs. And all of the norms around photos about what is acceptable editing, how much skin smoothing is acceptable. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. What should should people like... People with darker skin tones. What should our complexions look like? All those norms get tossed away in favor of, well, what did you want? Yeah. And this camera will now nece- deliver you what you want instead of what is true. I mean, we've been seeing that for a while now in, in phones in China where they would lighten skin and smooth everybody out automatically and you couldn't escape it. I think even one of the early iPhones did that. No, right? so, the, so this has been a conversation that I've had with the various photography teams and yeah. all these... Con- Again, we've been having this conversation about something as simple as exposure mm-hmm. for a long time, like for 10 generations of the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like exposure, just how bright and light are things. And then you add on top of that skin smoothing. And what you have found, what we have all found, what the major companies have found is the Chinese market and the South Korean market want built-in beauty filters, Mm -hmm. and the American market thinks that is a moral catastrophe. And it probably is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, It is. It doesn't stop the people on TikTok from using them all the time, but, like, whatever. And so they've had to split the difference. But I'm saying that gives us, like, a framework as we go into this next phase with Google and and, and people who follow after Google is we kind of have that framework. We've seen how it happens in China. We've seen how it happens in South Korea. To yeah. some extent. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, like, yeah. should, again, this is my I point. Mean, I mean, I, This is my I, point I about my fake you. camera. Like, yeah. like, the market in this country, the market rejected the idea of a, aggressive skin smoothing. Right. That's actually, like, maybe not what you would have expected. And you have sense. another, you have a, a counterexample where the market in Asian countries actually wanted it. And, you know, Samsung basically gives it to them. Apple kind of doesn't, you know, like they're, yeah. they're like, you can get the apps. Like that's more or less their answer when you ask them, like, you know, we Phase see, two. we see Facetune, ex- like all this stuff exists and like, you can just get it. We have blue bubbles. We're good. <laughs> right. I don't know what the market is going to say about the camera can swap faces around. I mean, I, 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 d- I don't. I thought it was kind of terrifying. And there's a video on our TikTok right now of Allison and Becca using it. And it's horrifying if you know Allison because her face just keeps switching, but her body doesn't change. And you're like, right. So here are some important caveats to this entire conversation. Yeah. One, we haven't reviewed the phones. I don't know how good this stuff is. I have My a stuff. sense of how good it is. Two, I've said nothing about like the audio filters. 
where like in video, it just makes people's voices stand out against. I'm like, that's great. You know, like <laughs> I, I maybe I'm morally compromised in that front, too. And it's not built into the camera. Mm-hmm. And Photoshop exists and all this stuff. And like, whatever. I'm just saying there's not a lick of introspection here. There's Google saying we put some shit in the EXIF data to mark it as edited. And it's like, guys. Well, it's really funny that this is coming from Google, who's been very vocal about like, we're doing AI, but right. And it's like, okay, but you just, how is this any different than the gen, like putting out a generative text AI that can just lie? Well, yeah, that's what I keep coming back to it during this conversation is like the, the thing we're describing here is what's happening with everything everywhere on the internet. Right. Like this idea that it's we've made it trivially easy to lie to a lot of people is like the story of the social era on the Internet. Uh, yes. And first it was easy to lie in a text post and then it was easy to lie by making a website that looked like a news post. And then it was easy to lie because you were associated with the Russian government. And now it's easy to lie in photos. <laughs> so, like, I think the the arc of that is not that different. It's just that it's getting sort of higher fidelity. And we're going to go through this with video in a very real way at some point very soon, too as all of these image generators get better. I mean, we should be talking about Dolly 3 and the fact that it's able to do things that look like photos now. Like, we yeah. are now past the point where you can quickly glance at a generated image that is wholly generated and immediately go, oh, that's AI. Like, we, we are past that. You can no longer do that unless somebody wanted it to not look like a photo. And all of this is, I think, wrapped up together. And I think, like, the means of creation in, in Dolly 3 is, in a lot of ways, easier than... I don't even have to buy a pixel to do that. I can just go to, a, I go to Bing and I can just do that. Right. So I think yeah. these big questions of like trust and rules. And I think, I think you posted about this earlier, but like I've been going back and rereading like the AP's rules about how they do photos and Getty's rules about how they do photos. And like for people who take the kinds of high stake photos that you're talking about, there have always been rules about what yeah. you're allowed to edit and how, and basically like you can like, crop and you can vignette and that's essentially it and you can't even really mess with things to make them more beautiful the idea is like you took the photo that is what it looked like we are going to publish that if you look at the the new york times and in sort of their feature photography the vignetting is out of control because it's it's the one knob that they can turn (laughs) yeah Yeah. and so i think you're going to start to see these folks like in the same way that we have more and more people being more and more outspoken about things that they're using, like ChatGPT. People are coming out with policies about how they do and don't use it. I think you're going to start to see the same thing with images. I do wonder if the question is going to be, like, we're going from everything is now possible on a smartphone to, like, I wonder if smartphone photos get outlawed from some of these rules over time for exactly the reason you're describing. So you brought up Getty. So, you know, these high-stakes image pipelines you can't solve it in technology. You have to solve it by getting a bunch of people to agree mm-hmm. that this is what will happen. You, norms, right? You will do this. You will not do this. So if you are a Getty news photographer, you you just agree. These are the guidelines. And all we can really do is crop. And all we can really do is maybe a little dodging and burning. I think Getty allows you to remove sensor dust or the AP allows you to remove sensor. But then they're like, but only if it doesn't change the photo. And if you have a question, like ask us. So you can't enforce cultural norms in software you just can't you can influence them you can you can do some stuff but at the end of the day it's just a bunch of people that have to agree on how things work so that's the news side of it on the creative side i think it's like wide open do whatever you want have photoshop's great generate a cat like have all the time that's what they that was the demo they did with us on on stage at code like fine i think that stuff is exciting on the high stakes are you representing the truth to a lot of people 
is Donald Trump looking at the protesters or is he looking at his shoes? And did you remove like <laughs> this matters, right? These like really some of these images really matter what they say. There is an entire like ecosystem of TikTokers who just look at pictures and tell you what Taylor Swift is yep. thinking. It matters what the pictures say. Okay. So on those high stakes pipelines, you have to set some rules. So I, you mentioned Getty. Getty CEO Craig Peters was on the code stage with me talking about AI last week. I just hit him up and said, hey, did you look at a Pixlate? What do you think of it? Would you ever like ban a camera? Mm. And he said, he obviously did not answer with Pixlate. He's like, I haven't played with it yet. He said, we will largely continue to navigate along the following lines within our editorial coverage. This is the editorial coverage at Getty, the news coverage. Strict avoidance of any modifications to the image. Camera manufacturers are already making some adjustments to light on the sensor, but we are as strict the image as possible. Hmm. So that's that's it. No changes. And then he said within creative, the sort of artistic side of Getty, we allow for a bunch of stuff. He said, I see us allowing things within creative context, but we will not allow misrepresentation. So then my next question to him was, if there's a hypothetical phone that just like aggressively smooth skin out of the box. Is that allowed? And he said, we might. There aren't any, we, we don't have this problem today, but if things move in that direction, we could. So even like Getty is at the point where they're like, we're watching it. So theoretically they could be like next pixel phone. No, you can't. Right, or whatever. Yeah. Unnamed, you know, OEM makes a phone and their big camera feature is like, you, you're always beautiful. I'm not going to say <laughs> big it. Big natural. God damn it. <laughs> you know, like Getty would be like this, this camera, this pipeline is not acceptable to us. Yeah. And I think just the fact that one, I can ask the CEO of Getty that question and he's like, this is the answer. <laughs> like we are considering it. That's why I'm saying this is a watershed moment. I'm not saying this phone. I'm not saying you need to be outraged about this phone. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy the phone. Seven years of software updates, you know, buy the, Seems have, nice. have a time, but go yeah. nuts. I'm saying that in the context of what is a photo, Google has decided that they don't make photos anymore, that they make memories. That's the quote they gave to Allison Johnson in her interview about with the Google PM about this these tools. Mm -hmm. And they're like, these are memories. Mm. And I'm just would remind people that memories are uh, famously fallible, famously unreliable, not actually allowed in many objective contexts where people need to know what happened. Like, that's crazy, right? To, to make that rhetorical shift. Yeah. It's not to say photos don't lie. It's not to say photos can't be biased. It's not to say photos can't be edited. It's this one camera okay, we should probably start having a really serious conversation about AI and cameras and how they collide and whether or not we as a culture, as a society, expect our photos to be representations of moments in time, whether we expect cameras to produce that. And if we don't, we don't think that's true, then we should probably have a huge conversation about how we start, need to start training children from a young age to never believe their own eyes. I mean, fine. I think we should do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, fine. I mean, if you want to, like, look, in the end, we're all going to be in headsets. I'm going to have a little seminar for five-year-olds. Um, it's going to be great. But uh, but that's like, those are the stakes, you know? And, and I, I think there's a lot of people kind of like doing nihilism in my mentions that are like, mm -hmm. well, nothing was any ever anything. Like, this is just, and it's like, no, there's actually stakes. Like, the, it means something to give everyone the tool. Yeah. If I was like, I'm just making guns easier to buy, you wouldn't be like, well, everyone's always been able to buy. Like, no, it actually means something to give everyone the tool where they can lie at scale. And to, to brush it off is these aren't photos, these are memories. And if that's what you want to say, then okay, you haven't made a camera. But it's, it's I'm not, I'm not like outraged. I'm 
we've been doing what is a photo for so long that I'm just like, oh, this is this is the culmination of my life's work. And we're gonna keep going. We got, we got I, reviews. now. By the way, now I have to buy a Pixel Eight. Yeah. Like I have to have one just to be like, this is a watershed. We should all buy Pixel Eights. Pixel Eight sales through the roof. And when people are like, why? We're like, because this phone is philosophically important <laughs> to the nature of imagery. Not because it's any good. Honestly, that, that made me want to go buy one. I mean, that can you imagine if like Verizon had a meeting where they're like, Pixel 8 sales are through the roof. And they're like, have we done any audience data? And people, and they're like, it's, it's, is it battery life? Is it performance? And people are like, no, it's philosophical quandary. <laughs> Boy, have we gone over. Sorry, David. He knew this was happening. I did. I, I walked right into this, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> We've like barely talked about that. The phone has a screen. <laughs> it does. You know, you can pay dollars for it, a hundred more than last year. Tensor 3. All right, we'll stop. Can I just say one more cool thing about the, the phones, or about the Google announcement, and then we should move on? Google did this weird thing where they announced that Bard, the, the LLM powering Bard, is going to be powering Google Assistant. And they did it in this very sketchy way that made it seem like they had like just thought of this idea five minutes before the uh, event started. But mm-hmm. that's a super big deal. And Alex, you and I were at the Amazon event when they started talking about the putting LLMs underneath Alexa to do more stuff. And I think if if voice assistants are ever going to be good, this is the moment we're going to start to see it. And the hope yes. these people have is super high. The case for why this can work and why it can understand context better and why it can be more reactive is real. Like the chat GPT voice stuff is like alarmingly good. And so I think... If if suddenly this becomes baked into Google Assistant in a way that is like accessible and cool and useful and has the same control over your phone and access to the internet, that's all going to be really cool. They were super sketchy about the announcement. I have no idea how any of it's going to work or when any of it's going to come, but I think it could be a really big deal. I'm very excited, especially if it can answer the cup question Eli had earlier. Like if it knows the difference between the cups for you, <laughs> oh my impossible. God, game changer. When right? you ask Google Assistant, right? Hey, I'm trying. I'm trying to be kind to the audience. Yeah. When you ask Google Assistant how much is a cup, it's so confidently not used. Like in the context of a coffee machine, it's just like a cup is an ounce. It's like no, I know that's not the answer. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna give you the real one. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna do another two hours on the conceptual nature of photography. We're not gonna do that. But if you send me but one email asking us to do it, we'll definitely do it. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we're back. There's other stuff at the, at the Pixel event. There's Android 14 got released. There's Pixel Watch 2. All that stuff is in going to be in the review cycle. So we will go into that stuff in detail when we've actually used it. I just can't resist it. What is a photo? I like still want to. I'm like ready to keep talking. It's like we could do another four hours. Anytime you want. That's what. We, that's why we made the website. And Eli, guess what? Netflix is more expensive now. Oh my god! All right, pivot to streaming. <laughs> We're gonna let Alex talk the whole time. Alex, I'm what's here. up with your Plex server? It's, it's doing fine. I watched Top Hat on it this weekend. It was lovely. Nice, Alex. Your Plex server is like famous on the internet. By the way, I posted something on Threads the other day, basically saying like the only possible response to the the un ending stream of streaming price hikes is just to delete all your streaming services and buy box sets of your four favorite TV shows that solves all your problems. And I mean, a dozen different people were like, or just get on Alex Kranz's Plex server. Yeah. Look, it's like, I, I worked really hard on that server. I'm not going to lie. I, I worked really hard when I was unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in like our home lab? There's Oh, we oh. you got to get you got into it. It's going to be bad. We, we got to get you like a rack mount Synology situation. Oh That's what I want so bad. Yeah. It, I have to figure out where I put it. <laughs> but um, what I'm not going to be doing is subscribing to Netflix. No, that's not true. I continue <laughs> to subscribe to Netflix because I, I like it and there's a bunch of shows on it I like and I obsessively consume media. But Netflix is – there's a rumor that Netflix is going to be raising its prices again it's waiting until after the the SAG after strike is resolved, which everybody on both sides seems pretty confident is going to happen fairly soon. So that's lovely to hear. The reason it's doing that is not because, oh, they signed all these new contracts and they're spending way more money on on actors and writers. They're spending a little bit more money on actors and writers, like a fraction, tiny, tiny fraction. The reason is because they were always going to have to raise the prices. Yeah. Because like zero percent interest rates are gone and, and you have to pay for things. So they need money. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's happening again. And, and Dave and I were talking about this beforehand. We, we've seen a bunch of price hikes this year, and, and we're going to keep seeing some. We saw another one this week, in fact. The ad-free version of Discovery Plus is also getting a big price hike. Sorry, David. One of the few people I know that subscribes. It's okay. How are you feeling? I'm fine. We, we have finally moved all of our streaming to Max, so... Okay. We just we just live inside of Max now. Wait, leave her alone. <laughs> Listen, she's fine. She's in elementary school now. She's got her own Plex server. <laughs> she's got her own. She's got a little Raspberry Pi, like a little a little five year old size Plex. It's server. just Bluey on the server. Just all frozen. Day. Yeah, it's just yeah. just Bluey. No, uh, right now we're it's Minecraft videos on YouTube. She this kid has taught herself. She's like building in oh, wow. Minecraft. Yeah, and it's all because of Minecraft videos on YouTube, kids. And I, it's like I I'm worried about it. You know? It's, it's like, fine. It's like, is my child going to fall down the radicalization funnel? But like right now, it's like she's building houses. So my my godson wants to be a dictator because of YouTube. It's fine. Look, <laughs> there's an argument that we would be better served. <laughs> he like, said he would be a gentle dictator. He'd be like, don't trust photography. <laughs> <laughs> he would. Like, you get in early with him. You'll be fine. Anyway, you, yeah. why, wait, everything's on Max? Yeah. Have you watched the Naked show? No. I, it just, Naked Attraction is not family friendly for my 10-month-old. I watched one episode. 
for journalism. What, Becky and I like <laughs> sat there and we watched it together. Just and we both were like, "Do you want to? Do you want to keep going? You can stop if you want to. You want to keep going?" <laughs> no, it's okay. Anna and I are currently deep in the Ultimatum on Netflix and the Golden Bachelor on Hulu. So like, we'll we'll get around to Naked Attraction. But the the thing, then don't. No, 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 don't <laughs> run. Right. Yeah, I will say the Golden Bachelor makes me feel a lot of feelings about the world, but that's for a different <laughs> podcast. The the streaming prices thing. So I went back and like I, I made a story stream for us, just like compiling all of the recent stories about the price hikes. And like, man, it's brutal. It's just everywhere you look, it's just like one, two, three dollars more expensive all the time. And I've been trying to figure out there one of two things is happening, and I'm trying to figure out which. Either all of these companies are just testing to see how high they can go. And eventually they're hoping that you'll cancel everybody else and stick around with them, which will make your price flexibility higher for that one platform that you like best. And they'll be able to get away with charging you $30 a piece. Or everyone thinks ad plus cheap subscription is the future. So they are just going to keep pricing ad free services through the roof until you go to the ads because they've realized that that's how they're going to make their money. This is my theory. That, you think that's, that's the one? That's the you right agree? one. Yeah, that's the one. This entire business was entirely ad dependent until like 15 minutes on, right? ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was on to ads. And it's really, really funny. In the last couple of months, you've really started to see Netflix take a backseat as it's trying to roll out ads. And Max is taking a backseat as it tries to roll out ads. Max famously, like, that comes from HBO. That was not a very advertiser heavy, like heavily subsidized place. But um, a bunch of the other parts of that thing and a bunch of things that David Zaslav did before this was very advertising place. And you watch like Paramount Plus and everything that they're doing right now. Those guys know ads. That was CBS. Yeah. Those were That was like the biggest network. And it was really, really good at taking all of your money and, and, and wants to do that again. And watching this like sleeping giant slowly get out of bed because he's old. Sorry, no. Watching him slowly get out of bed and like go out and 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 start to win back all those eyes as as this this whole landscape starts to shift from got to be on Netflix to got to have my own service to oh god, we're just inventing cable again and now we have to figure out what part of cable we are. Paramount's going to crush in this because that's what it's done for years okay. and it knows how to do it. Alex, that continues to be your craziest streaming take. It's I just want you to know crazy Paramount thing. Plus is good is your single wildest stance in the streaming. But wars. then what did they do this week on TikTok? I don't know because who cares? Smart. Oh, they're the ones who did. Okay, never mind. I take it back. Paramount's good again. See? See? You're seeing Wait. it. You're seeing it. You should explain what happened, but you're right. I take it all back. What did they okay, do? Okay, so, so Paramount this week uploaded all of Mean Girls to TikTok. Right. And so you can watch it in little sections because that's how everybody's been watching old shows is they'll go into no i've watched so many movies in what is essentially the plex alex's plex yeah. server of tiktok you just watch i've watched Sully i watched Land whiplash at what is obviously two x i also watched which whiplash. makes that movie right it was everywhere it was like oh we're gonna uh, jk simmons is gonna be a dick but super fast <laughs> the only one that didn't get me was inception where i was like i didn't know what was happening in this movie when i was watching it in real time on a big screen and i certainly do not know what is happening on tiktok that was so smart of paramount to do because everybody does it that way that's the new like tv stri- like you yeah. go and you sit in front of your tv and you flip the channel but they took it down they took mean girls off of tiktok it was just a one-day marketing thing. Yeah, they, they did it as a one-day marketing thing. And that's a really smart marketing thing. Like, Did they make any money on Paramount Plus? But it's knows? Mean Girls right. Day. But it was all about the memes. Yeah, it was Mean Girls Day because October 3rd, and that's when he talked to her. 
It was October 3rd. So <laughs> I watched that movie a lot. Clearly. I Unfortunately. Oh, also, almost all of the Oceans movies. Oceans 11, <laughs> Oceans 12, Oceans... Almost fully. I think I watched all of Oceans 11 on TikTok. Your FYP is much nice. Mine was just the su- Sully landing yeah. the plane and then Young Sheldon. Oh, no. My, that's worse. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> I watched so much <laughs> so, Young so much Sheldon. Worse. Mine is people complaining about the lack of uh, switch options for Phillips Hue, which mm-hmm. I, I'm i going to start making these TikToks. <laughs> yeah, it's like... And, it. and like movies <laughs> way more entertaining yeah but yeah i, I think i think paramount's on to it that's think, this is crazier than the time you said big naturals 50 oh times gotcha. i don't know what you're i just like the the tags we're gonna get on like everybody does like automated transcriptions <laughs> of these podcasts and we're just gonna instantly get banned from every podcast platform <laughs> like we're toast but i think the thing that's so funny about this to me is everybody has discovered how good a business cable was and, and like a bunch of people have been talking about this recently with the way the economics changed that have led to a lot of the stuff in the writer strike is they made money from you twice. You paid a lot of money for your cable bill and then they showed you ads. And that was that was the deal we made and agreed to for decades. And then a bunch of people thought it was a super good idea to just take one of those revenue streams away. And they did that. And it seemed very smart in a time when you could get infinity investment because you just kept showing user growth and then we come to the last two years and all of a sudden it's like you have to start making money again and they're like well how did we make money the last time and it's like oh by making money twice and they're just going to do the same thing again except instead of paying one $70 bill and seeing nine minutes of ads every half hour, I'm going to pay 10 $7 bills and see nine minutes of ads every half hour. But the user experience is going to be worse. We're literally in the middle of rebuilding worse cable, and it's starting to drive me totally nuts. Wait, but we don't have to deal with a cable box. I don't know that that's better. Oh, I do. Instead, I get to deal with my Roku TV, which sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to... Yeah, there's a cable box in there. It's a Roku. <laughs> it's an Apple TV. It That's has, like go get a better get better system. Whatever. It's still ninety five thousand different user experiences. Yeah. And a series of video players that are not very good. Yeah. And I think that's what we're like at some point they're gonna have to start reckoning with is right now everybody's big way of getting you on their service is, well, we've got this sport or we've got this this TV show you really want to watch or this movie you want to really watch. Max has been very clear about we're going to sell our stuff. So you're seeing a whole bunch of Max products on Netflix this week. And if you log into Netflix this week, it feels like old school Netflix. You're like, oh, I can watch Dune. Yeah. I can just do that. That's nice. So Casey Boyd is on Sage of Code and he was like basically saying what David is saying is, yeah. oh, we used to sell our things like a lot of times. And and that's that everybody's yeah. wanting to get back to that. They he called syndication the brass ring. Syndication was huge. Syndication was what everybody worked for. And they haven't had to do it in the last few years. And now they're realizing, wait, no, this is like all the writers and actors realize it. All of the, the directors and producers realize it. Everybody wants to make as many much money as possible dipping as many times as they can and just going all in on any one like form is dumb. Yeah. The the big difference with cable mm-hmm. and I it I think it's important to say this out loud. There was value pre-internet in paying money for cable. One, mm-hmm. it had all the stuff. Yeah. And you couldn't get the stuff at all unless you paid for cable. Like mm-hmm. the cable channels were not available to you in any way shape or form unless you paid for cable. Two, and I, I think we forget that this is where this industry came from, they were better than antennas. Yeah. Right? The, like the, the wild west of the early cable industry was a 
bunch of people who got in trouble from broadcast networks yeah. for setting up big antennas and then running wires to everybody's houses. You know, they used to call cable cat TV, CATV. Mm-hmm. It was like community access television. Yeah, that was the good shit. Right. And this, there's like there was a thing under there where they were like, we will centralize the hard part, which is getting the signal off the broadcast towers. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll make it good. And you were paying for that thing very specifically. Like DirecTV used to advertise that it was higher quality video than cable operators. Right. That's gone. This is gone. It's like no one gives a shit about that part anymore. So the part where you're paying twice is like you're paying for access and then you're getting ads. Like we should just demand that the access be great. Well, and the other part of this is cable didn't just die because Netflix. Like Netflix certainly participated in the death of cable that is still currently happening. But YouTube is a was a much bigger impact, sure. right? And and YouTube hasn't gone away. YouTube is still here. So these people are all going to be out here recreating cable, but they still aren't going to be. They're not going to get the audience back. The audience is so fractured now. You're not getting that whole audience back. The days where you could go and watch, I remember like my favorite example is Grey's Anatomy because Grey's Anatomy season two that was still when cable was really strong, and when Grey's Anatomy was still really strong. It's still really strong, which is terrifying. Mm. No, like it does well in the Nielsen still. Oh, well, sure. It's a bad show, but it still does well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so the Nielsen's back in like 2006, 2007 for most watched episode would be like 30 million people tuned in. Nowadays, Grey's Anatomy is still a major success, considered a major success for ABC, still making a lot of money. Average episode gets like 6 million people. And... It's that's good. That's considered good. Like we saw a huge drop off in audience and all that audience went and watched stuff elsewhere. And that's not coming back. And that's the thing that the streamers are actually going to have to reckon with. And I think that's why the prices are going to keep going up even past where we think is reasonable, because they're having to compete with YouTube where everybody makes the content for, quote unquote, free. That's going to be hard for them. I think that's right. In the sense that there's only like 24 hours in a day, right? And and the idea is where are people spending their time? And like the younger you get, the less likely you are to be even spending that time on streaming services. Like I, I spent a bunch of time this past weekend with my nephews. It was homecoming weekend. So I was like talking to him and all his friends. And we're talking about all this stuff they watch. And he was like, yeah, I used to like sit and watch TV. But then I realized I was just looking at TikTok the whole time. So now I don't even turn the TV on. I just sit and watch TikTok. And I was like, that is telling my friend like your second screen is the television yeah this is how i ended up buying a frame tv this is like I, i've talked to people like tv installers yeah and then like some samsung people who are mm. like the frame is a hit because people know that it will be off mm. they're just gonna leave it off and then i bought one because i was like it'll be in our bedroom and we'll just leave it off but i now it's currently our tv yeah and I'm just like, this is not even local dimming. Like, really, why did I buy this TV? <laughs> I really want one for my bedroom, just because it's pretty. Yeah, we're going to eventually be in the bedroom, and you know, Becky will watch comedy specials on it. I have always wondered, they like all of the advertising material you see for the frame is when it's off, and I've always wondered, like, is this is this a good TV when you like turn it on? Because at some point you're going to turn it on. No, I want to be very clear. No, no, <laughs> it okay. is it, the the matte screen is like really cool. It's really cool. And Uh we have one in the other studio here. And when it has like art on it with like detail, it's so convincing. So cool. Yeah. And then you turn it on and you're like, all right, it's just one big ass LED backlight. Like it's 1956. Viewing angles. How's the bloom? The whole thing is bloom. (laughs) It's just, there's just like one flashlight behind the 
Just I, It does not know the color black. It's just gray, baby. Gray. Yeah, why did I watch Whiplash on my phone? <laughs> phone can do true blacks. Well, the good news is it's really expensive. So you got that going for you. No, it's not. They're, actually, the little ones are cheap. I think this is the other reason. Because it's a cheap panel. Yeah, that's fair. So th- it's all priced on margin, which means they get discounted like crazy. Okay, fair enough. I, but 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 I was like, we should buy. I should buy a gallery series LG, like a G two. It's real nice, very thin. You can mount it just like a frame, but it doesn't have the matte screen. Doesn't you can't do the art. I was like, crap. We'll buy this thing, and then I'm looking at it. I'm like, why did I buy it? Why? Why do I have a a single backlight LCD in my home? You can put it as a background for your podcast. Right? It's gonna be great when it's on the wall in the bedroom, and we never watch it. Yeah. Which is an insane thing to say about a TV. It'll be great when we stop watching it. Just pictures of Max. <laughs> it's going to be pictures of Max, and it's going to look great. It's yeah. going to be great at that thing. Uh-huh. But as an actual television, it's like Samsung got me again. This is the second time I bought a Samsung TV because it's beautiful. And I've been like, what am I looking at and why do I own this? And I'm going to have it for 15 more years. <laughs> Gotta go LG. No, we're going to buy, we're, I'm waiting to buy, okay. I think you can get them now, but the official on-sale date is the Sony A95L. Ooh. It's so expensive. It's pretty. But we're gonna, it's going to be in the wall for 15 years. So I'm like, I, I should spend the money. Yeah. And it's going it's to be great. It's, it had better be great because after this frame experience, I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> All right. Sorry, David. We were talking about the future of streaming. All I know is I have, the, I have a TCL TV back here. It's 40 some inches because I accidentally clicked the wrong button on Amazon. So you know what it is, is it's fine. <laughs> it is just fine. I'm still on my LG B7. No, like, see, I have a B6. 2007, yeah. Yeah, I have a B6. Yeah, it's... it's 14, whatever. This is years ago. 2017. That's mine. right. 17, because yeah. I bought the B6 and 16. Okay, I was like, wow, my TV's old. TV's great, but it's going to be there for... I'm like, I should upgrade. I'm like, why? Spend the money. There's one thing you should spend the money on. It's a nice TV. And a mattress. You're going to have it forever. I do actually agree with that. This is the problem with streaming, is I'd rather talk about the TVs and the content. Good teaser for Monday's Vergecast, by the way, before we take a break, which we should do. We're, our whole episode is with a person who would like to give you a television for free. Ooh. It's coming. I cannot wait for this episode. It's great. All right, you're right. We should take a break. We should do a lightning round, and we should get out of here. And then after this, we'll have a bonus round of six more hours talking about the nature of photography. <laughs> we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Lightning round. We, we're like already over. It's yep. the craziest episode oh, in yeah. a long time. People mm-hmm. sitting in their cars waiting for us to finish. The, the, the phone is good. It's a piece of hard, It's not just a bundle of philosophical quandaries. 
but it is also because it is that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Please. I'm telling you, if you have the money, go to your local wireless carrier and be like, I want to, I want you to mark down that I am buying this phone because it is a philosophical dilemma. I want it. Move the needle. Right. It's not speed. It's not camera. It's I want to, I want to be horrible at parties. (laughs) All right. Lightning round, David. Okay. I have two. Because sometimes I'm allowed to do that. My first one is, it appears we've now seen the entire humane AI pin. It was at Paris Fashion Week, and Naomi Campbell and I think a couple of other people were wearing it on their on their sort of breast pocket area. Lagerfelding the shit out of this thing. So we have now seen what it looks like. I think it was John Gruber who described it as an iPhone you would get in a Happy Meal. <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know anything about what this device does. Their original launch date was the 14th, which is just next week. But there's been some reporting out there that says that has slipped to November. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. But we've now seen the pin. Is it real? Does it do anything? Who's to say? We have had many questions about this for a very long time. I think if they they had a couple of videos from Paris Fashion Week where it was another one of those like projecting it onto their hands as they were doing stuff kinds of videos. Mm-hmm. I have never had so many questions about what something is than I do about this, but I find it deeply fascinating. Can I just I'm going to start with a baseline question. There's a you look at our post and we'll go look at the post. It's in the show notes. Pull over in your car uh-huh. and I want you to look at the picture of the of it mounted on the lady's pants. Okay? How much does this thing weigh? Because it is not pulling on this fabric. Because she's got her hand in her pockets. No, I don't know. No, I, that's... She's got her hand in her pockets. You think she's holding it up? She's she's keeping it... She's keeping it up. Because look at the, that fabric. That's Have you ever worn so much as like a, a boutonniere yeah. to like high school and you're like, oh, this is kind of saggy. Yeah. Right? Like you have to think about I'm it. I'm just saying, have you ever... Anything like has any weight it's going to pull on, and it, here it's not doing, and you think she's pulling that fabric taut. Oh, yeah. She's she's pulling, pulling it taut. Because you look at the other ones, it's on a it's on a suede jacket, yep. and then it's on this this white shirt where she's the also- The lapel. Yeah, it's on the lapel, and, and, and she's also, again, styling and posing herself. And this was all coming from the Caperni show, which Caperni apparently loves to, to do some little fashion stuff. So, like, their, their previous recent show was, like, all the robot dogs- yeah, running around oh, yeah. on the stage and Pretty being good. like my dogs. So like they they love to do like weird tech stuff. Uh, our reporter Mia Sato is a big fashion nerd, and I was like, oh, Caperni's doing it. She's like, oh, of course it's Caperni. <laughs> that would do the humane thing. I still have a number of questions. For example, how do you load contacts into this phone? Is there a phone app? Real real question. How do you interact with it? Well, you you just talk to it with your hand out in front of you. Hello? Okay. We got no hand. I just to me it was very funny that this came out the same week that Apple announced it's no longer supporting and repairing the seventeen thousand dollar Apple Watch, and it's like those two things. It's like the the beginning of one thing and the end of a very similar thing. It's like you can just see Humane trying to go this like cool, fashiony, make this a luxury item route, which is a thing I think people try to do before they have a product that's good i was like how did that work for google glass badly it works pretty badly for everybody because it turns out it's very hard to make something fashion i just i want to take you back to the photo of the lady in the pants every time i look at this product i have more questions okay we've seen how the thing works right you can call bethany you can hold that where if you have it mounted on your pants 
You can see her knuckles. Whatever, whatever. It, look, wait aside. I I still don't know how this works. Yeah. I think I think there's cardboard in the pants. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Let's say this is an acceptable mounting position for the humane eye pin. Not a dorky one. Well, let's say let's say this is where they think you should have it. Okay. And you need to call Bethany. Where are you going to put your hand? <laughs> Squatting. Yeah, you're like you're holding down your here. Hand out. Yeah. All right. I, just the basics of this product are so maybe, confusing to me. Maybe you pop a squat, and maybe that's like part of their. their oh, you're like you're like doing fashion <laughs> rap squats, and they're like pop a squat, <laughs> call your friend, pop a squat, check your mail. If Humane's marketing slogan is pop a squat, I'm all in, all in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, right. I'm just saying, look at the photo with the late where it, where it's on the pants, and just be like, how would you just run just run that to its logical conclusions. You have to. One of the ways in which you use it is that you talk to it, and it talks to people you're in French. You're just and like, suddenly it's you're like da da da, and it's like wah, 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 in French from your your pants pocket, <laughs> from your crotch, basically. What happens when you sit down? Does French sound like the adults in Charlie Brown? Is that what that just was? <laughs> <laughs> Try not to be racist. All right, just checking. <laughs> you know, there you go. My other lightning round thing, real fast, is this weird kind of scandal about the iPhone 15 overheating. A bunch of people noticed that their iPhone 15s were getting really hot and draining the battery super fast. Apple basically came out and said it's the app's fault, which is like a, a delightful follow-on to you're holding it wrong from, you know, all those years ago. Apple then released an iOS update that it said, quote, addresses an issue that may cause iPhone to run warmer than expected. But also said that it was the app's fault and a bunch of apps updated and supposedly solved the problem. So what is going on here? It's hmm. whatever it is, it seems like it's been fixed. Terrific. The the overheating problem from some of these apps that were running wild seems to be solved. But whose fault was this and how did they fix it? We don't know and it's driving me nuts. I just want to know what's going it's very yeah. weird. Because it's a point update that doesn't like ordinarily when Apple adds new features in like a 0.0.3 update. It's like little bug fixes and security updates and stuff. Like this is not a moment you do much, but they named this one. No, well, because I think they there was a news cycle around it. But I guess my guess here is that with iOS 17, there came some new frameworks that Instagram and Uber and a bunch of other apps relied on. They updated to use those frameworks. That was causing the problem. So they then they could blame it on Instagram. And now here we are where they've updated the thing. They've updated the OS that was maybe using the framework. They've updated the framework that the apps are using. The apps can't do it anymore. It, I, my guess is that it's much more innocent mm -hmm. than it seems, but it is it is very funny that they're like, I don't know, Instagram. <laughs> Everybody made a boo-boo. All right. Kranz, what's yours? LG is dropping ATSC 3.0 from its TVs next year. I, I got a, a lot of a lot of messages about this over the weekend. This is the RIP Kranz story of the week. Yeah. And I think it was telling LG was one of the first to adopt the technology and put it in its TVs. And now it's one of the first to drop it. Yeah. And it's because nobody's adopting ATSC 3.0. Like the stations aren't aren't converting over to it. So I had a conversation mm -hmm. with a fancy person at Code. Okay. About television. Yeah. Not the person who was on stage, not Byron yeah. Allen, who, by the way, a superstar at Code, overshadowed by Linda Yecker. But he was like, here's what I'm doing. I'm suing McDonald's because they're racist. Yeah. Every French fry is racist. <laughs> like it was crazy. But he's trying to buy ABC. Yeah. And one of the reasons that he was trying to buy ABC is he thinks the stations are poorly managed, this whole thing. Mm -hmm. He's trying to buy ABC. So I was at Code talking to other people about that conversation because it was 
a, a superstar performance ago. And they were like, we keep trying to work with local stations to make them better. There's a lot of things we want to do, particularly if you're interested in sports rights. All the big streamers are interested in sports. There's a lot of local broadcast deals to to make any sort of upgrades. So you had sports in 4K, for example, mm-hmm. that the local stations have to do it. Yep. And they won't. Yep. They just will. Like, there is not a single less innovative part of the media ecosystem Nobody wants local television stations. Yeah. And everybody who's been buying up the local stations, because they're largely a couple of different monopolies that, that own the majority of them. They have no interest in it. They they are effectively like private equity did to journalism, where they're like, yeah. oh, we want to just buy it and, mil- and run see the what we can get out, to, yep. run it to the ground. Um, in some places, like in New York, it's it's pretty expensive to to put up the towers and stuff for ATSC 3.0, and a lot of the I guess a lot of the buildings around here don't want to deal with that and yeah. deal with the leases and everything like that. So it is it's challenging, and it was just a bummer because like ATSC 3.0 is cool technology, like the technology itself is super super cool, and it could do a lot, and it could really really democratize access to a lot of stuff, but no one wants to actually do it. So it's all just kind of a bummer. And it's like, I don't blame LG for not wanting to spend the time and resources to continue to use this if nobody's adopting it. Like, you know, come back in a couple of years. But by then, broadcast TV will effectively probably be dead. So that's a, it's just a real bummer. Right at the end, the text did. <laughs> yeah. It's all over. Yeah, they, they got it. They're like, we, we made yeah. it. And I was like, yeah, you're 10 years too late. You should have done this a while back. But this is, you know, there's a there's a balance here. Remember Vizio took the tuners out of its TVs mm-hmm. and there was a huge backlash and they put them back? Because that was too soon. If they did it now, nobody would care. I think that's right. Oh, no. I mean, well, Vizio was cheap, though. Vizio, that, that was the whole get of Vizio is you'd get a really good TV for a really inexpensive price. That's changed a little nowadays. But like, so I get like their audience probably did use tuners a lot more than they thought. And most people probably don't actually, especially LG like somebody going out right. and buying the nice LG. Just r- write to us. I need to know the answer. We're both guessing. Yeah, we're guessing. I I think a lot of people still use their tuners a lot, especially our audience. Our audience does. Because I use my tuners yep, still. That's why I said it. But we, the audience the that small... asked us to talk about ATSC 3.0, I have a feeling. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I, I want it too, no. but I don't think we're getting it. <laughs> ATS 3.0 is going to perform upstate. <laughs> it's going to be very happy there. It's going to be really pleased. All right. I have two as well, but my two are like the same thing. Okay. So one, X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, announced a deal with Paris Hilton. I would, des- I would describe this press release as uh, calorie-free. It contains no information. It's a lot of words. It's so many words. And one thing I learned about Lindy Acarino she loves words, just <laughs> loves word. And you can see why she was a great marketing executive at NBC because she had NBC. She had the Olympics. And if you just want to wander around talking about how people feel inspired and communities are brought together and look at the world and yeah. here's a young girl singing and buy an Amex, NBC is a great platform to be that personality. When you have Twitter, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> You've got nothing, and it's all the same sort of like hopey changing language, for lack of a better word. So anyway, so they've announced this deal with Paris Hilton, yep. where she will she will post on X. They will work together to create four original video content programs per year that includes live shopping across, along with a host of other activations across all surfaces of X. The live shopping experience will allow you to browse through a catalog of products and then click through the site to make a purchase via the in-app browser. Okay. This could be cool. 
and I'm going to give you the one Unless caveat. Paris Hilton is, is actually selling ecstasy on this no. platform, <laughs> zero people will buy anything. Paris is super into radios. This is like the uh, the lore about Paris Hilton is she's super into to traditional radios, like CB radio. What if she? What if the store is just CB radio stuff? All right, that would be cool. If Paris Hilton does a CB radio activation, <laughs> that'd be great. X will work to secure brand sponsorship to support each of the activations. Uh-huh. So they're paying Paris. They don't know how they're going to pay for paying Paris. Very good. <laughs> X will also support amplifying other efforts that Eleven Eleven Media, which is their company, Eleven Eleven Media and Paris Hilton will be involved in throughout the year. No, yeah. no, this is nothing. What is it? So I, the only reason I say it's the same thing is my second thing is I, there's a little bit of an existential crisis on threads this week mm-hmm. because it's the heart of the NFL season. The government shut down. All this stuff is speaker. The house is getting fired. This is the stuff you, you would use Twitter for. Right. Like these moments where we're Twitter, there was a flood in New York. Do you know what Twitter is great at? Telling people who don't care about the weather in New York City what exactly (laughs) is happening with the weather in New York City. (laughs) Yeah. And Threads has, I would say, flatly failed to live up to any of these occasions as a real-time news service. Yep. I've I've tried, and I'm rooting for Threads. It's the one I use. And everyone gets mad at me when I'm like, Threads is bad. They're like, what's the one I'm using? I I believe in activity. The whole thing. It's not good at this stuff. Watching football with Threads is like, not watching football with anything <laughs> like it's the opposite of watching football with threads so there's been a, just a lot of consternation about threads and whether they care about news and meta is there was a report in the information that meta is doing creator councils where they're gathering all the creators together mm-hmm. to see what they want which is historically in the history of social platforms a thing you do right before you die but you know on the flip side you know meta does have instagram and like they they, they have a they have a thing there yeah but, you know, it's like they're they're doing committees to figure out what they should do to, to kick threads back in the gear. And it's like, oh, you don't need a committee. Do news. Just do Twitter. Just do what Twitter is good at, which is real-time news. So I posted on threads. It feels like they need to make every mis- – they were so burned by news. Adam Masseri was so burned by news because he used to run the news feed. Mm-hmm. He was so burned by news they have to try everything else first. And so Masseri actually wrote back to me, we are not anti-news. News is already on threads. We're simply trying to avoid over-promising and under-delivering to an incredibly powerful group, which is a mistake we've made as a company many times in our past. On its face, this is a totally reasonable thing to say, right? We don't want the news media to think that threads will save it. Yeah. So we're, we're not going to pretend. Two things about this. One, one solution to this problem is to make promises and keep them. <laughs> uh-huh. Just putting that out there. As, as somebody who lived through uh, something called the pivot to video, not lying about metrics and actually developing revenue. It's a concept. I think that would have solved your problems. Yeah. It's, just a, it's just a thing. So I get where that's coming from. Like everyone yelled at him. But that's not what people but are But he's saying for. like, we didn't keep our promises, so we don't want to make any promises this time, which is like backwards. Fine. But like, fine. Like I, I actually understand it. Yeah. Like one rational response to that is to say we are making no promises mm-hmm. sure great the problem is your user numbers are going down <laughs> so good luck like forget being burned by making bad decisions hasn't meta learned that caring about the news business is actually just all downside yeah right and the, and the regulators are there and you know canada is going to make you pay for links and an australian person is going to you know rupert murdoch <laughs> is going to be like are you yeah. going to pay for my links like it, think- it all happens there's a law in this country that would make him do it. It's all bad. But the product isn't sticky because what you desperately need 
is people posting about the news on a product that looks like Twitter. Okay, yes, except Twitter was a bad business, was always a bad business, and was a bad product that most people didn't use, and the people who did hated themselves for it. Like, I'm not sure you actually should look at Twitter and be like, let's do what Twitter did. True. That's how you get a bunch of, like, psychotic maniacs like us who spent all together too much time for 15 years on Twitter. Like... So my brain is healed. I, I feel I'm a new person now <laughs> that I'm not doing it. Mine's like, I have threads in my phone. I don't even open it. I'm like, oh, I forgot. I, I threw a bomb on threads. I was like, this camera's a liar. Like, walked away. To me, I think, I think the thing threads will regret more than not being more like Twitter is positioning itself against Twitter the way that it has. Yeah. Because what they did, Mark Zuckerberg and Adam Masseri both did this like aggressively and sort of loudly at the beginning was say, in as many words, we want to be better Twitter. And we all kind of internally understand what that might be. And that comes with certain things and certain ideas. If they had just said, we think it's time for a new kind of text-based social networking for sharing. They sort of did. A little, but you, if you say the first thing, everybody's going to hold you to the first thing, right? Like, I, I, I think it's true, but also if you, if you say, like, we, we think the world deserves Twitter that is sanely run, like, in essentially that many words, people are going to hold you to Twitter standards. But I think, like, Meta's out here to build a big thing that makes money, and Twitter was never any of those things. Well, actually, we have, like, 10,000 disclosures. So the first one is... Criticism of the current Twitter is in no way praise for the previous administration of Twitter. I think it's important to say that they were bad at this. There is an argument to be made now, I think, that that was the best it could be. Sort of chaotic, horrible. Right. Was yeah. like the best. It certainly was the best it has been. Yeah. Maybe maybe they had stumbled into a sort of steady state of misery. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe. So, I mean, like, the, this is a company that sold itself for $44 billion at $54.20 a share because it could not figure out a way to get to $54.20 a share on the open market. Like, <laughs> they're like, I don't know. That seems high. Take them on. Like, we got nothing. Like, all right, we nothing. Is it, it we're, we're going to let more t people tweet. Like, whatever. And now the new reports are that it's worth $8 billion. So everybody's doing great over so there. So there's, I just that. And then the other discussion, we talked about streaming and cable. So Comcast invests in our company, so whatever. They don't. They're not into me. We didn't uh, say I'm an, nice. I'm a Netflix producer. That's a real thing. <laughs> I have AT&T as my personal mm -hmm. phone service. Yeah. I, I'm Just Verizon. Like, yeah. yeah. Alex Kranz watches every Star Trek show on Paramount+. Plus. It's true. Broadcast TV RF energy is flowing through our bodies right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thing. That's, that's happening to you, too. Grey's Anatomy is going right Hey, this. look, that the, the 5G alert went off. Huh? All of you are Aaron Rodgers now. I wanted to be um, a zombie. I don't know what that means, but it sounds great. <laughs> Come back around to threads. I'm just saying, if they had solved the smallest problem, mm -hmm. F1, they're all, I know a bunch of them are F1 fans because I see them posting about F1 days after they've posted because of the algorithmic feed, but I see them doing it. If they had just solved, we want to make this great, they, they would have solved it. They want to make it great for watching football. The problem is that solving those problems necessarily makes you great at, oh, there's a government shutdown looming. Oh, the Speaker of the House got fired or whatever, Right. And that means they're good at news. And I don't think that they have a plan to square that circle. It cannot be that a bunch of famous, you, you're going to pay Paris Hilton some money to post about radios in her shop. It's coming. That's not going to do it for you. You don't know. Or that you're just going to block some topics entirely the way Threads yeah. has done with COVID, right? Like you can't just, you can't just write certain things off and then be like, come hang out, but only about the nice things. Like, I, I think you might be right that what Twitter was might be the 
best of all the bad outcomes. And maybe they're all bad outcomes. Well, because it was it was like the NC-17 social media and threads is like legitimately the NC-17 social media. And and this is like G-rated. Pixar yeah. Twitter and news is not G-rated. I just don't think like even if again I, I I would just come back to some of the stickiest things that Twitter did for me that weren't news like hard news like political news sports watching sports with Twitter open is great or was yeah. great now it's weird because like half the people aren't there and then they're doing the weird programmatic insertions of like ads for buying gold. It's like I love gold. I don't, <laughs> I don't love any of this and I don't have the app on my phone so it's on the web. Whatever, it's not great. I would love to switch to Threads for this. It's just not there. And again, I'm rooting for threads because I want a company at Meta's scale mm-hmm. to bet on federation and interoperability and push all of that forward. They seem super committed to it. I am totally in support of that. I just think they've lost sight of what makes it sticky, which is actually real-time information. And like, I don't know that you can solve that without accidentally solving news, and I think they're paralyzed for that. Yes, that right. sounds 100% right. On the other hand... Twitter's paying Paris Hilton money. The fact that Linda Yaccarino had to tweet the word sliving is just, it just makes it all worthwhile. It's sliving. <laughs> is it sliving? Sliving. I always say sliving. <laughs> while, while we're living, Nila's sliving, guys. <laughs> I'm sliving my way right out the door. All right, I think that's it. We're way over time. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out, this episode of the Virtual started with coffee cups. It, it did philosophical quandaries, and we ended with sliving. <laughs> When people say we don't have the range, this is, we made a whole publication for ourselves. Yeah. For this. This is where we live. All right. That's it. I got some things to call out. We have a partnership with D-Brand. You should go buy the skin. They're really cool. They're cool. They're sick as hell, actually. They look beautiful. And then, speaking of cameras, Becca's video, 1,000 photos, the iPhone 15 Pro Max, one of the best videos I've ever done. It's on YouTube. Lots of photos. Becca has lots of thoughts about this camera. She compares it to the first iPhone camera, which is actually, it is more complicated than you might think. Again, just exposure. Philosophical quandary on these phones. Go watch that video. Okay, that's it. That's our chest. Rock and roll. And that's a wrap for Vergecast this week. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at vergecast at theverge.com. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters. That's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.